Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let us pray. We thank you, Almighty God, for gathering us here in this place. Prepare our hearts so that we can prepare the way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I want to take a little poll this morning. Uh, for those of you who were in school or who are in school, what was your favorite subject? Was it math? Yep, math. How about science? Now, we got a few. Yeah, it was funny. Last, in the last service, I had a biology professor sitting on the front row, and I didn't even say science. That was bad. Um, English? Oh, got a, got a few English people, an English teacher. Um, how about P.E.? Yep, the whole back row. Very nice. Um, <laughs> band, chorus? Yep, got a few of those. How about like a, a, a trade like um, firefighting or nursing or home ec or, or uh, shop class? Got a few of those too. How about history? Do have some. You know, I always had a love-hate relationship with history. I mean, first of all, I couldn't stand it because some of the worst teachers I ever had were history teachers. Um, I mean, it, I took U.S. history class and our teacher showed us the movie Glory 16 times that year. Yeah, he wasn't a great teacher. Um, but, but also, you had to memorize all that stuff. You had to memorize the dates and, and these obscure people and, and, and what happened way back when. And it always felt kind of irrelevant when I was in those classes. At the same time, however, some of my best teachers were history teachers. And they could take those stories and make them come alive. You know, and, and you realized how important history is and, and how it does impact the present, right? I mean, every time I've come to a new church, I made it a point in the first year to, to learn the history of that church. And the reason for that is because no matter how old that church is or how young it is, what went on in the past impacts what goes on in the present. The culture is formed throughout history. Some of the decisions that were made way back when still are alive and influencing what happens now. And, and so history is important. I think we can hopefully all agree on that. But now, there is a difference between studying history and making history. How many of you want to make history? I do. I do. Um, Tony does. Yes. Not surprising that the guys that love to be up front want to make history. But there, there are certain things about making history because you can make history for doing some great things or you can make history for doing some really bad things, right? I mean, all right, there's this guy named Steve Bartman. Does anybody know who I'm talking about? Baseball fans, yes, you would know. In 2003, Steve Bartman went to a Cubs game. It was an important Cubs game. It was during the playoffs, and it was game six of the playoffs, and the Cubs were leading three to two in that series. And in that game, they were up three to nothing. It looked like they were going to win the pennant for the first time in, like, generations. And then there was a foul ball hit the left field, and the, the, the outfielder for the Cubs was running back to get it at the wall. And it was well within his reach, except Steve Bartman reached out with his own glove and tried to catch it himself. And it deflected, and 
That would have been the second out. That didn't happen. And the wheels fell off the Cubs in that game and in the series, and they got eliminated. They, it looked like they were going to win, but that one thing that Steve Bartman did made history. I'm sure he really is not happy that he's remembered that way. But the truth is, it's 18 years later, and we're still talking about it. Now, there's another guy, Alexander Fleming. Anybody know who that is? Good, I'm glad. All of you know what he did, because Alexander Fleming discovered penicillin. But how he discovered penicillin is pretty funny, actually. Um, he was sort of absent-minded and known as sloppy. And so it wasn't surprising to his co-workers that when he went on a two-week vacation that he just sort of left stuff where it was, including a petri dish filled with bacteria that was by an open window that while he was gone got moldy. This sounds like something I would do with leftover food. But when he got back and, and, and was cleaning up, I guess, he realized that the bacteria stayed away from the mold that had grown in the Petri dish. And thus we have penicillin. So because this guy was sloppy, he actually saved many, many lives and won a Nobel Prize for science. He made history. That one event changed the world. And that's what history teaches us. That's what history can do. In today's gospel reading, it begins with a part that most Bible readers skim over. And part of that is because these names are hard to say. But also because it's like, well, it's history. Here, I'll read it to you again. It says, in the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod was ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip, ruler of the region of Ituria and Trachonitis, and Linnaeus, ruler of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to this John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. Now, what we have here, first of all, is two important things. It marks that the coming of Jesus was a historical fact. Because we can track down, even in secular books, when that was. The secular history books know when the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius was. And so that's very important to us. We know that this happened in history. But also, this is a list of seven people. And the seven people that are listed are the seven most powerful and influential people of that time. It's no mistake that it's seven because in the Bible that's a complete number. But seven of the most influential people. It starts with the emperor and then it goes to Pontius Pilate and King Herod and, and all the rulers of the land. And then it finishes with who? Number eight, John the Baptist. John. Now we all know John the Baptist 2,000 years later. But the truth is, to the first hearers of that, unless they were Christians, they didn't know who that guy was. They knew who all those other seven people were. But then they get to this guy named John. The son of Zechariah. Basically, he was a nobody. And he not only was a nobody, he was a nobody in the middle of nowhere proclaiming a message. So you have all of these important people, but then you have the word of God 
coming to this nobody in the middle of nowhere. And his message changed the world. Because what he announced was the coming. The coming of the long-awaited Messiah. The coming of Jesus Christ. And what he was saying to the people there were, prepare the way. Make his path straight. A nobody in the middle of nowhere proclaimed the coming of Christ. And that changed the world. It changed history forever. And that's the, the cool thing about God is how often nobodies in the middle of nowhere are used by the Almighty to do amazing things. I mean, on this, the first year, the presidency of Joe Biden, when Andrew Fauci was his chief medical um, correspondent, when Henry McMaster was governor and Steve McDougal was mayor of Lexington, and Jay Coon was the sheriff of the county, when Elizabeth Eaton was the bishop of the ELCA and Jenny Abisher the bishop of the South Carolina Synod, I came to you in Lexington, South Carolina to proclaim to you Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Because you see, while John the Baptist proclaimed that Jesus was coming, today we proclaim that Jesus Christ has promised to come again. And the message is the same. We are called to prepare the way and to make his path straight. But we know that, right? I mean, that's what Advent year after year is about. It's about preparing the way. But what does that mean? How do we prepare the way of the Lord? Well, First of all, it's all about discipleship. But more specifically, it's about you being who you were created and called to be. Here at Pisgah, we, just, we describe discipleship with the six signs of living, which are right up there. Praise God, increase faith, step up, give generously, accept all, and help others. But I believe that the preparing that we're talking about here focuses on stepping up. That means using the gifts that you have specifically been given, the thing that makes you special, the things that make you who you are, and using them to influence the people around you, people in your house, the people in your community, the people in your country, the people in your world. Because you see, my friend, that's how nobodies in the middle of nowhere make history. It's when we step up and share the gifts to show God's love. That's what we're called to do. That's what God has gifted each and every one of us to do. is to step up and share our gifts to show his love. It's incredible, isn't it? That time after time throughout history, God takes nobodies in the middle of nowhere and changes the world. And God is calling each of us to prepare the way. And isn't that incredible? We are called to prepare the way of the Lord. I mean, think about that. When we got somebody coming over to our house, we at least vacuum the floors, right? This is Jesus Christ coming again. How are we going to prepare for him? What changes are you going to make in your life? How are you going to use the gifts that you've been given? How are you going to share God's love with other people? We are called to do that individually, but also collectively as a congregation and beyond. Because when we pull all of these gifts together, that's when incredible things happen. That's when the fact that we're here in this place at this time, in this community, for a reason, begins to come to life. 
Because make no mistake, my friends, God is calling us to prepare the way, to make his path straight. God's calling us to make history. Amen.